Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to a history of Europe, key battles, the Battle of Grunwald or Tannenberg, part three of four. In previous episodes, I described how one Baltic group of people, the Lithuanians, not only successfully held off invasions by Crusader Knights, but were able to carve out for themselves a large state in Eastern Europe. Taking advantage of the loosening hold of the Mongols over Western Russia and the disunity of the Russian princes, the Grand Dukes of Lithuania expanded their influence to the south and east. They came to control most of the southern and western territories of the Kievan Rus' Confederation, all the way down to the Black Sea and came within 50 miles of Moscow. Many of these gains were achieved under the rule of Grand Duke Adagirdas, who ruled Lithuania between 1345 and 1377. Adagirdas was supported largely by his younger brother, Kestutis, who ably defended the eastern and northern frontiers. However, their efforts to occupy the whole of southern Rus, especially Galicia, were contested after 1370 by the king of United Hungary and Poland, Louis of Anjou, also known as Louis the Great. Adagirdas and Kestutis were skilled diplomats, able to exploit to their best advantage the chaotic political situation of Eastern Europe in this period. They were also adept at exploiting the Latin Christians' desire to convert them for paganism. Repeatedly, they made overtures suggesting they were ready to join the Roman Church, only to backtrack once they had gained concessions. In so doing, they divided those Christians who believed they were genuine in their desire to convert from those who were more suspicious of their motives. The two brothers also had to take into account that the people of their newly conquered territories in Kievan Rus were orthodox and would not look kindly on any attempt to pressurise them to accept the Latin rites. In the spring of 1361, Gestutis was captured by Western Crusaders while raiding in Prussia. Grand Master von Kniplod of the Teutonic Knights held him in honourable captivity in the fortress of Marienburg. But in mid-November, the 65-year-old prince made a daring escape. Aided by a Lithuanian servant who worked in the castle, Gestutis slipped out of his cell, climbed up a chimney, stole a cloak and walked daringly across the courtyard until he found the Grand Master's horse. Climbing aboard the steed, he rode out of the gate unhindered and returned to his country. 
This and other exploits made Castutis a popular leader among the Lithuanians. When Algirdas died in 1377, Castutis, by now about 80 years old, attempted to take over leadership of the duchy. He did not adopt the title Grand Duke, but left it in no doubt that he should now be in charge. This angered Algirdas' eldest son by a second marriage, Yogaira, who believed he was the rightful ruler of Lithuania, and was already involved in a power struggle with his half-brothers from Algirdas' first marriage. Yogaira is described by the Polish chronicler Durugosh as having small, black and restless eyes, large ears and an athletic body that came from his passion of hunting. By character, he was cunning, somewhat introverted, and noted for not liking to drink in excess. Bequeathed the eastern lands of the duchy, and with a Russian mother, Yogaira may have considered converting to orthodoxy, but by his ambitious nature, he was only going to be content when he was in control of all his father's lands. Yogaira agreed to a peace agreement with his uncle, Kistutis, but behind his back plotted against him. He made a secret alliance with the Teutonic Knights, promising to become a Roman Christian at some future date. He also befriended the son of Gestutis by the name of Vitautas, who was later an important figure. Vitautas, who is known in some history books as Vitold, is described as small, slim, energetic and impetuous. He was a skilled rider, also a lover of luxury and ready to indulge in love affairs, but drank sparingly of alcohol. Yogaela acted increasingly independently against the will of his uncle. For example, he arranged the marriage of his sister Alexandra to a Polish duke without asking permission from Kestutis, and he independently joined military forces with the Livonian order to drive out his half-brothers from Lithuania. In 1381, Kestutis arrested Yogaela and assumed control of his lands. But at Vitautis's urging, he released Yogaela and allowed him to return to his possessions in the east. The next year, fighting broke out again when Yogaira, with the help of the Teutonic Knights, trapped the army of his uncle and nephew by the island castle at Trakai. He invited Kestutis to Palais, but at a meeting seized him and imprisoned him in the castle at Creveau. He then allowed his younger brother, named Skagela, to murder Kestutis and assume responsibility for ruling the western lands. Lastly, he signed treaties with the Teutonic Knights, promising to become a Christian within four years and to cede western Samogitia to the order as soon as the Crusaders could conquer it. Vitautas was also imprisoned, but was able to escape prison by wearing his wife's clothing after an overnight stay and fleeing the castle before the exchange was noticed. Hounded by Yogaira, Vitautas decided to approach the Grandmaster of the Teutonic Order, Konrad Zona. He offered to become a Roman Christian in exchange for joining the knights in a war of revenge against his cousin. The Grand Master baptised Vitautas and established him in western Samogitia to rule the pagans there. Understandably, he did not fully trust his new ally and kept him under close supervision. It was at this moment when the nobles of Poland were looking for a new king, and as described in the previous podcast, came to decide on Yogaira. In part, the Poles were attracted by the fact that Yogaira and they had a common enemy, the Teutonic Order. 
the order had recently been making great headway in the invasions of the Lithuanian highlands, in part thanks to the help of their new ally, Vitautas. Crucial elements of the Union of Cravo, whereby Jogaida gained the Polish crown, were his personal conversion to Christianity and his promise to convert his Lithuanian people. For the latter, Jogaida needed the cooperation of Vitautas, and so made secret contact with his cousin, offering peace in exchange for giving him back his ancestral lands. In July 1384, of Vitautas' command, the Samogitians revolted against the Teutonic Order, seizing most of the Crusader castles in their land all at once. Once the campaign had been concluded successfully, however, the ever-slippery Jogaida broke his promises. He named Skirgeira as ruler of the West, leaving a disappointed Vitautas only a few small territories to his name. Vitautas felt no choice but to accept, but inside must have been furious. first task of Jogaira as King of Poland was not in the north with the Teutonic Knights, but rather down south in the opposite end of the kingdom. The regions of Moldavia and Wallachia, both in modern-day Romania, had belonged to Hungary during the reign of Louis the Great. But after Louis's death and the separation of the two kingdoms, the Moldavians made themselves independent and began raising tariffs on goods transported on the trade route between the Black Sea and Poland. Jogaila took advantage of political weakness of Hungary, where the young new king, Sigismund, had to deal not only with unruly nobles, but also the growing threat of the Ottomans. By the end of 1387, his forces had gained control of Moldavia and Wallachia, which angered Sigismund, but for now there was nothing he could do. Back in the north of the kingdom, tensions grew between Vitautas and Skirgela. In 1390, Vitautas renewed his alliance with the Teutonic Order. With his active support, Crusader armies marched throughout western Lithuania, capturing the town of Kaunas. Among the western crusaders was Henry Bolingbroke, the future Henry IV of England, with an entourage including eleven knights and a contingent of archers. In the summer of 1390, Vitautas led the crusaders all the way to the walls of the Lithuanian capital Vilnius. The fighting was fierce and both Jogaila and Vitautas lost a brother in combat. But after five days, the weather turned bad and sickness started to set in among the besieging army. Reluctantly, the crusaders broke off the siege and eventually returned home. Although some Poles were involved in the conflict between Lithuania and the Knights, relations between the Kingdom of Poland and the Teutonic Order remained good. Neither side had any desire to start a war, a situation reinforced by events. In 1391, a Tatar Khan by the name of Toktamesh, having been defeated in battle by the great Turco-Mongol conqueror Tamerlane, sought refuge in Lithuania. He persuaded Jogaila to help him reclaim his lands, but to do so, Jogaila needed peace of the Teutonic Knights. As of yet, few Poles fully trusted Jogaila's motives. Already he had proven his cunning in diplomacy, but the question was, was he working for Polish interests, for Lithuania, or only for his own? He was a difficult man to work out, as by nature he was quiet and introspective.
1392, Metautus was having second thoughts about his alliance with the Teutonic Order. Even if he were able to conquer Lithuania, he would become hated by his own people and dependent upon the goodwill of the Grand Master. He covertly sent a message to his cousin, Jogaira, seeking negotiations. Realising he needed Vitautis's help to hold Lithuania securely, Jogaira readily agreed. Vitautis plotted his betrayal carefully. First he dismissed Henry Bonningbroke and an English army who had arrived for a second crusade, telling them that their services were no longer required. Then he arranged for the Samogitian warriors stationed in the crusader castles to kill or capture the German garrisons. After this had succeeded, he sent Lithuanian armies into Prussia and Livonia, and overwhelmed what forces the Teutonic Knights had in Samogitia. The new Grand Master, Konrad von Jungingen, was a decisive leader, whose main aim was to achieve regional peace. To achieve this, he believed it was necessary to once more besiege and conquer the Lithuanian capital, Vilnius, and so, in 1393, a new wave of French and English crusaders arrived to help with the task. In January 1394, they marched up the frozen river Niemen into the Lithuanian heartland. Vitautas attempted to halt the crusader march, but his army was routed, and he barely escaped with his life. Jogaira sent him a strong contingent of knights as reinforcements, but they too were insufficient to halt the enemy advance. Vitautas fought desperately, but his army took heavy losses, and he was unable to prevent his capital, Vilnius, again from being besieged. On the eighth day of the siege, the Livonian master arrived to reinforce the crusader army. Now the besiegers were able to not only surround the city, but make a determined assault on the wall at its weakest point. Nevertheless, the siege did not go well. The Lithuanians set ablaze some of the enemy siege towers, which not only caused extensive casualties among the French, but destroyed most of their supplies. The Grand Master, realising that the Lithuanians could destroy the siege works as quickly as they could be built, reluctantly came to the conclusion that it would take longer than planned to make a breakthrough. He called off the siege and the Crusaders returned home. The expedition had been a major undertaking, the siege of an enemy capital of knights and military specialists from all over Europe, but the capture of Vilnius was in the end beyond the capabilities of the Crusaders. Two years later, in 1396, an even greater crusader army arrived from the west, this time organised by King Sigismund of Hungary to confront the growing danger of the Ottoman Turks. This campaign, described in full in a previous podcast, ended in disaster. The overconfident crusaders suffered a devastating defeat at the hands of the Turkish army led by Sultan Bayezid. The main impact on the Teutonic Order was that it discouraged potential crusaders from the west adventuring east, and so the flow of English, French and Burgundian knights eager to gain chivalric glory against the infidels started to dry up. One victor of the numerous events of these tumultuous years was Vitautas. By 1396 he had driven all Jogaira's brothers from his lands, and had become an indispensable ally of Jogaira, who had no choice but to allow his cousin to become the de facto leader in Lithuania. Both men were far more interested in affairs in the south than the north, hopeful of being able to drive the Tartars completely from the Pontic Steppes. 
They were therefore eager to end hostilities with the Teutonic Order and concentrate their forces in this direction, so much so that they were willing to surrender Samogitia to the Germans. This they agreed to in September 1398 in the Treaty of Salinverde. The Tautas and Yogaira led their armies to the town of Cayunas, where the last pagans of Samogitia were compelled to surrender to the Teutonic Order. The Samogitians were not in accordance with the deal and still unbaptized. Campaigns against them continued for the rest of Conrad von Jungingen's Grand Mastership, sometimes with the help of Vitautas, sometimes not, but in 1406 they finally submitted and agreed to be ruled by the Order. In those years, Jogaira and Vitautus worked with the order rather than against them. In the summer of 1399, a great army of Lithuanians, Tatars, Poles and Teutonic knights rode out onto the steppe to challenge the domination of Tamerlane there. The result was a military disaster, but fortunately for the Allies, Tamerlane did not follow up on his victory. Rather, he turned his attention on the Ottoman Turks, beginning a two-year campaign that culminated in the Battle of Ankara of 1402, with the destruction of the Turkish army and the capture of Sultan Bayezid. At the turn of the century, in the year 1400, it probably appeared that the Northern Crusades were at an end. The Teutonic Knights had achieved their main goals of the Christianization of most Baltic pagans and the fall of Samogitia, the final pagan holdout in the region. Grandmaster Konrad von Jungenen was now able to redirect his men's efforts away from the military campaigns and towards a policy of economic development. In Samogitia and other conquered territories, he undertook a policy of building up a local ruling class who he hoped in time would lead to the voluntary conversion to Christianity of those who still retained their pagan ways. For nearly a decade, there was relative peace between Poland, Lithuania and the Teutonic Order. This turned out, however, to be the calm before an almighty storm. A storm covered in part four of this set of episodes on the Battle of Grunwald, coming up next week. I'd like to give a big thanks for the feedback which I continue to receive. Uh, I'd like to quote one email which I recently received from listener Robert. It said, quote, Your podcast is wonderful to listen to while I drive to work into New York City and makes the commute that much easier to deal with. You do a great job in researching both famous key battles such as the one in the Hundred Years' War, the Crusades and Spanish battle with the Muslims. Your recent podcast on the Russian battles is something completely new to me, and I will begin hunting for some books to read on that. End quote. Well, I'm really pleased about that, because I don't have time to go into as much detail I was like as I would like to do in a lot of these battles, but if I spark an interest in a, a particular period or a country, then I'm really pleased with that. As ever, feel free to get in touch with me on the Facebook page, or the Twitter account at History Europe KB, or the blog www.historyeurope.net, or you can write to me directly at carl 
at historyeurope.net. That's Carl with a C, C A R L. Thank you very much for listening to a History of Europe Gibatos. I hope you can join me next week for the concluding part of the Battle of Grunwald. 1410. Thank you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.